it's cold. <laughs> Siberian wind. Siberian wind since Sweden. That's something. He looks at me from top to toe and goes, you are going to be around two and two and a half kilos of ashes. Never thought that I'm going to hear this in my life. I'm shuddering and then I'm looking down at my body thinking, thanks God I'm still here. But let's flash two hours backwards. I'm sitting all alone at the table, waiting, looking around. And I wonder how many tears have been shed in this so warmly decorated room. He said he will be back in a few minutes. The sunlight is shining through the translucent light curtains, which fill the room with a sense of airiness and beauty. The walls are in a warm cream color. There is a painting on the wall. The room is very inviting and friendly. I stand up, I walk to the shelf, and I look at all the different urns. Many different urns. And then I see the diamond. And this one is really special. A cremation diamond is made from the carbon contained in the ashes and hair. The carbon is extracted with temperature as high as 5000 degrees and subjected to intense pressure. It's beautiful. Imagine having someone you loved on your finger. But boy, can you imagine? How you will feel if you lose it? <laughs> you shouldn't. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, it's me, Anna Jelen, your time expert. Someone who likes to face the facts. And someone rather pragmatic sometimes. And someone who looks at life from the perspective of the limited lifetime. And therefore, I'm someone who embraces the beauty of everyday life. And right now, I'm in Sweden, staying at my sister's house. She's living here with Chris, her man, and the two doggies, Anton and Charlie. The island here is called Öland, and it's a magical place. It's called Solens och Vindarnas Ö, which means... It's the island of the sun and the winds. <laughs> yeah, today it's not just the wind, it's the Siberian wind. Oh, but it's still so beautiful. And can you see the, the sky? The sky goes from here until there. 
everything up here is sky. Can you see that? It's huge. It's limitless. It's beautiful. And it reunites Earth and the ocean. It's down there, you can't see it, but uh, it's so beautiful. It's dark blue, it's wild. And I've been swimming every single day. And, you know, with the cold wind and the cold water temperature, it's just so, oh, freaks me out. It's so good. It's pure. The island is pure. To be here, it's very pure. And you know what happens here? My head just opens up like a flower who wants to bloom. And with all the ideas having up there, you know, you have to imagine a head with swirling ideas like, like leaves in a tornado. And it takes a lot of energy to structure it. But when I'm here, when I'm looking at the ocean or the sky, this big, big limitless sky, then it's like a magic wand. It sorts, it's like, it just works it out and it structures and suddenly everything gets very clear. And a few days ago, I was sitting at the beach. <laughs> beach. It is a beach, but it's a, it's a cold, wild beach. It's not the beach you have in mind when I say beach. And then I knew it's time to talk about the last letter. And it's time to talk about the Undertaker project. So welcome. Very happy that you are here. Let's get into it. The last letter. On Saturday the 15th of October in the year 1990, no, 1988, I'm 10 years old. I write on the first page of my diary the following. A poem. When I die, I do it all alone. Nobody does it for me. When the moment arrives, I will place myself upright. I will look around. Then I will laugh. Then I will fall over and be dead. The 22nd of March, 1992. I'm 14 years old. I write my first testament. And it goes like this. If I die, Siri, my sister, inherits my room. My stuff? Well, Siri, mom, dad, Olivier, granddad and Corina, that was my best friend at the time, have to share all of it. But maybe mom, dad, Olivier and granddad won't be alive by then. So this case would only be if I die tomorrow. Still, I have the feeling that I will have a long life. <laughs> Thanks God, I was thinking like that. But let's continue. Chili, my chinchilla, inherits Corina if her mom doesn't mind and if the cats are already dead. Otherwise mom and dad will get him. What else? Oh yes, Yanni, my uncle, will inherit all my plants. Well, there is nothing else. Oh yes, my five cents. I will give them to Chili. Bye. Some minor changes have been made in the meantime. <laughs> so, my testament, check. My living will, check. Safe and dignified end-of-life care, check. But for me, the thing that matters most is the last letter. 
Now, before we get into this, let me ask you this sensitive question. How prepared are you? Do your loved ones know what to do in case you die? Do you know how many people sit at this beautiful table at the undertaker's place, sitting with a lost gaze because they have no idea what the deceased person wanted? Just because they didn't dare to talk about it. It's an incredible hopeless feeling and I ask myself, why are we accepting that our loved ones have to experience this? I believe it's time to speak up, also when it is about our own death. And anyway, we can't talk about time and life without talking about death. Now please, don't you worry. I will always do it in a light-hearted way. Light-hearted. I might make you cry, but that's all right, because I also will to try I will also try to make you laugh. And I'm sure we will be experiencing some exciting stuff with this topic. The last letter. A few months ago, we lost a very good friend of ours. And I remember sitting with the closest family members and friends together just the day after he passed. It was heavy. It was really heavy. We were just sitting there in disbelief. It's when time stands still and everything gets dull. And I remember going out for a long walk with my sister just talking about this idea of the last letter. Imagine a gathering like this where family and friends come together at the table in a shock. And the wife could have said, my friends, I will read you the last letter he wrote to all of us. And she would be starting reading it. And it would have been so much easier for all of us to hear his thoughts one last time, to have the feeling that he's still around, to feel a little bit of peace in this horrible moment. But there was no last letter. A few days later, I was at home. It was a quiet evening. I put on some music, smooth music, Lighten up some candles, sat down at the table and I started to write my last letter. I cried, I laughed, I was touched and I was so happy to still be alive. And this feeling overcame me all the time with such great joy that everything just started to feel like not that important or, or some things which I thought were big um, they became peanuts and suddenly everything was just really good really good as it was and I wrote and I wrote and I wrote always knowing that this will help my family so much and even I will make them laugh in an oh so sad moment and this touches my heart and it gives me a good feeling 
to notice. Now what does the last letter contain? Well, this is quite personal stuff, but I don't mind to share it because if I can give you an inspiration, I'm very happy about this because I truly believe it's such an important topic. So my actual last letter starts like this. It might change, you know, but today it looks like that. My loved family. So I'm gone. And you might be thinking that it isn't fair that I have died. But I don't believe in fear or unfair when it comes to death. Or if you could believe that it happens for a reason. Wouldn't it take a bit sorrow away, just a tiny bit maybe? Well, I hope so. At this moment you feel this sadness because you think you have lost me. Physically that might be right, but you will see. With time this deep grief will fade and I will come back into your mind as a memory. Sadness will be replaced by beautiful memories and they will even give you a smile on your face. Maybe with a tear running down your cheek, but that's okay. You know that I will always be there in your heart, in your thoughts, in your memory. Which makes me think of something totally different. Photos. I remember the day where I had this thought. I was here on Erland, where I was trying to take a picture of the beautiful pastel-coloured sky, but it didn't show its beauty on the photo on my camera. And that's where I thought... Beautiful sceneries and places, they will always stay in my heart. And the same day, I was thinking of Mats, our beloved friend who died, and how happy I was to see him on this beautiful, beautiful photo you took, Daddy, where you can see into his soul through his eyes, where you can see who he was. And my conclusion of those two thoughts together were, with time, faces can fade. But in a good photo, you will see everything. And just a few days ago, by the way, I saw a picture of a lady. A beautiful lady. And she's not among us anymore. And I didn't even know her. But when I looked at the picture, it felt as if I could see right into her soul. And I saw beauty and love. Now imagine how the ones feel who knew her and who can still look at this picture and remember the moment. Isn't that beautiful? Then I continue in the letter, I say, now let's talk about time. Yes, I will never stop doing this. Talk about time. What's highly interesting is this fact. We don't have a present anymore together. Neither a future. Now we have the past we had together. The past is taking a big role in this case of loss. All those memories. 
don't make it sad, make it colorful. And when you cry, cry tears of gratitude that we were able to experience so many moments together. Close your eyes and you will see that you can re-experience a moment with me. Isn't the human brain incredible to be able to do this? And then I write about where to place my ashes. I write about the party I want to be made with fortune tellers, hookers, gamblers and artists. And I write so that I can reduce the face of grief for my loved ones. I write so I can make it lighter because maybe it's just heavy enough. And that's just, I mean, that's the way it is written today. And But the last letter is a never-ending story. I have been writing on the letter since a long time now. And it can be seen as writing a diary or an autobiography. And it will be read by your loved ones. Isn't that something? I think this is something quite special to experience, even if you aren't there anymore. But you're doing a good thing with the last letter. And you're leaving a good footprint. One day we will all lose someone very close to us. It's pure pain. And when this happens, the first time you will know how important it is to have a guideline, to be, to be able to respond to this traumatic event. At the last letter, that's what we are doing. We are giving our loved ones a guideline. Planning ahead will reduce a lot of stress, will reduce hopelessness, avoid family fights and make it a lot easier in a situation where nothing really is easy. So you don't want it to be harder than it already is. Now, I'm no undertaker, nor am I someone who specialized on the topic. So I would like you to go and find someone who can accompany you with going through the checklist before you die. So many birds up there. <laughs> and this person will tell you everything you need to do. How to do the living will, the medical directives, lists of accounts, funeral preparations, etc. And then when this is all done, you tell your loved ones where they can find all this. It's a bit of work, yeah? <laughs> but you will be so released when it's done. And look at it as an important project. I mean, at work we have so many important projects who aren't really that important, are they? But this, but this, my dear ones out there, this is important. It's about love, life and death. And the whole life is included in this project. So yes, I truly believe that we have to be courageous and start dealing with it. Start dealing with all of life, not just the easy part. Everything. Because that's life. Now back at the table, the undertaker comes back. It's a big, strong guy. You have to be, if you carry dead bodies from the fifth floor down to the ground floor. And not just that, you have to be strong, but you need a big heart. 
as well, and he has. I understand why people would like to be taken care of by him when they are dead. His job is his mission. He wants that the deceased people get treated with respect. He wants to make them look beautiful at the last sight for the family. And he wants to support and help the remaining family. And to both of us, we sit there and we talk for hours about cleaning up a suicide accident, building coffins, how he puts a huge priority in seeing family and close friends, because he knows how unexpectedly death can appear. Death never shows up at a decent time, that's what he tells me. And then I tell him that I think about death every single day. If he also does, he looks at me and he says, no, that would be stressful. <laughs> and I'm sitting there thinking, but well, this is incredible. I mean, he's working, he's working with the topic death, death, and he is not thinking about the limited lifetime every single day. And that's when I understood, okay, if this guy can experience the rat race, because that's what he told me afterwards, I still have a lot of work ahead. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? And I've told you already, I mean, I'm not thinking about death every single day. I'm just thinking about the limited time, which is a very motivated thing for me to do. Excuse the wind. Excuse the wind. Today it's windy, so maybe a podcast in nature includes wind and birds. Okay, one last thought. Two days ago, Siri, my sister and I, we went to visit Mormor, my grandma, which you have seen in a video where we talk about death and elderly people. Now she's 96 years old. We talked about falling in love, inner beauty and dancing on tables because she did. And I asked her, would you still like to do this, dance on tables? She said, oh yes, but my body can't do this anymore. And then she looks at us, gets serious, and she says, always remember to dance on tables. And she looks at the little round table in front of us and goes, not on small ones like this one, dance on the big tables. The more you live in the present now, the more the fear of death disappears. Because if you are too future orientated, you will get stressed by thinking, oh, before I die, I have to do this and that and all that stuff. Don't get stressed up with your bucket list. Just create some beautiful, ordinary days now and then. It's time to be a bit more crazy, naughty, have fun, laugh, make love. Dance naked around the fire, dance with clothes on on tables, swim in cold water or whatever you find appropriate. Let's go and do that. Take care. Bye. Look exactly when the sun is going down. But here comes my by the way. Let me read a little passage of my favorite book called The Time Paradox by Philip Zimbardo and John Boyd. 
The denial of death is a denial that time will end. If you deny that time will end, you are likely to treat time much differently than you would if you felt time to be scarce and of limited duration. If you imagine your life as infinite, you are unlikely to value time as more precious than gold and more likely to treat it as ordinary grains of sand on a beach. Ironically, denying death relieves anxiety and psychological stress, but it may also lead you to devalue life so you may live less fully. End of quote. My dear listeners out there, life would say, enjoy your stay. And so am I. Bye for now.